from the Rebo Institute for Wheel Reinvention. It's the Rugby League Cemetery. Yes, this is the Rugby League Cemetery. Very good to have you with us for another episode. And I tell you what, we're taking a detour today into some very murky territory indeed. We're going into a very strange part of the cemetery because we're looking at one of the great oddities of rugby league history, the 1997 Super League Tri-Series Final between New South Wales and Queensland in front of 35,570 at the Grand Old Girl ANZ Stadium. Not the ANZ Stadium that we know now, of course, the ANZ Stadium, formerly known as the Queen Elizabeth II Stadium, up in Brisbane, which in its own way did kind of start Super League War. More on that in a little bit later. But uh, the background of this game, Super League, of course, running their own competition in 97. The ARL maintained the State of Origin series. So Super League decided to kind of reinvent the wheel a little bit and they cook up the tri-series between New South Wales, Queensland and New Zealand. Uh, each of the sides played each other once and then there was a final which is the match we're covering today. Uh, the background, New South Wales 38-10 in the first game at the Sydney Football Stadium. Andrew Eddinghausen with, uh, with a hat-trick in that game. Uh, the second game, Queensland 26, New Zealand 12 at the mighty Ericsson Stadium, formerly known as, uh, well, now known as Mount Smart. Uh, and that game, of course, no, most notable for Shane Webby scoring a try. And then game three, the most controversial uh, match of the series, New South Wales 20 New Zealand 15 at Bruce Stadium. Good to see New Zealand and New South Wales playing in the ACT. That's marketing, if ever I've seen it. Uh, but if New Zealand had won that game, then this would never have happened because New Zealand would have gone through ahead of Queensland and you would have had New South Wales playing New Zealand again the next week in Brisbane, which would have been, dare I say, a promoter's dream. But Gaz, uh, this, this final, which was played nine days before the ARL State of Origin series started. Um, it, it obviously existed to compete with State of Origin. Uh, it was obviously kind of created to have a point of difference. But when it comes down to it, they ran out onto the field and it's New South Wales versus Queensland and there are a lot of good footballers out there. But the question, I guess, is does it feel like State of Origin to you when they run out and when they start running at each other? That's a wonderful question. Um, the answer to that is, oh, I've been grappling with this question for a little while. I think the answer is no. Um, mm. I, I, I tried to get a vibe on this. I tried to listen to the crowd when they run out, uh, which is hard because ANZ Stadium is just terrible. <laughs> they have to run like so it's far huge. to get onto the ground. Yeah. You can barely see the crowd. But look, they <laughs> go out there. Oh, it's an intense game. It's an intense start. Gordon Tallis waxed the, the brick off the kickoff. That's a, I went, okay, do these guys buying in? I wanted to look at that. I, I, I think they did buy in. They, they ran hard. They tackled hard. All that sort of stuff. But did it feel like state of origin? No. Um, why didn't it? I don't know. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't have an answer to that question for you. I, I, there was a really nice buzz in the crowd when Queensland came hard at them early. Um, that died off in the middle of the game because Queensland were getting beat for a while. And I mean, that can happen in any game. 
but it came back when Queensland got on top. So, look, the, to me, the crowd bought in. The crowd was a similar size to an Origin crowd. The players pretty much exclusively on Queensland's side were all the Origin players. But, you know, I, I no, I, I don't know that it did feel like State of Origin. And just, I, I'd be interested on for your views on why. No, it's the same here. You can't... The, the, there were a lot of players in, on both those sides who played a lot of Origin games. And, it, like, the, you know, you've got Laurie Daly as the captain of New South Wales. You've got all these, like, Langer and Walters and Lockyer and, and Talis and Renoff. And, and the, the, it, they're all the right... A lot of the, the names are all right. The Queensland side's really strong. The New South Wales side's really strong. But there's just something off about it. It's, it's, it's kind of... It's indefinably strange and not quite right. The other thing, of course, to mention about this game from the top is that it is the longest game of professional rugby league ever played, as uh, as far as anybody can tell. The uh, Noel Goldthorpe won the match for New South Wales with a field goal in the 104th minute. Uh, so mm. it has that. So when we talk about oddities, it has that going for it as well. Uh, New South Wales 23, mm. Queensland 22. Uh, but it's also right. the uh, 104th field goal attempt, which yeah. might tend to it's and the only and the only decent one. Yeah, we'll be done. A, we'll yeah. be done field Don't worry about that. Uh, so we're going to talk about the match a little bit, uh, but we're also going to talk about and and some of the players that are good and all that kind of thing. But we're also going to do a little bit about you know how this compares to the the ordinary state of origin series that the ARL were running over on their side. You know, which play, who, who might have won between the New South Wales Super League side and the New South Wales ARL side and the Queensland sides and all this. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit later as well. But um, I, think, I think you wanted to talk at the start about some of the players in this game and, and who stood out. Should I go through the teams? Yeah, jump through the teams. That's a good way, good way to get started and then I'll hit you with some. So New South Wales, uh, fullback David Peachy, wings Ken Nagus and Brett Mullins, centres Andrew Eddinghouse and Matthew Ryan. The halves, Laurie Daly, the captain, and uh, Noel Goldthorpe. Glenn Lazarus and Ian Roberts in the front row. Craig Gower at hooker, a very young Craig Gower, I should say. David Ferner and Simon Gillies in the second row. Brad Clyde Locke. And the bench, Solomon Hamono. I've got to tell you, well, I've got some thought, though. I can't tell you how excited I was to see Solomon Hamono in a New South Wales jersey. Robbie Kearns, Robbie Ross, Luke Prittis, uh, and, and coached by Tim Sheens. The Queensland side, fullback Darren Lockyer, wings Matt Rogers and Wendell Saylor. The centres, Tony Carroll and Steve Ranoff. The halves, Kevin Walters and the captain, Alan Langer. Front row, Brad Thorne and Owen Cunningham. Hooker, Steve Walters. Second row, Peter Ryan and Gordon Tallis. And the lock, Darren Smith. The bench, Shane Webke, Kevin Campion, Paul Green and Michael Threnies Hancock. Now, uh, those are very, very strong football teams. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Queensland side, do you reckon you're taking that one to seven? Like, on, if you can draw out of a hat a one to seven, do you want to take your chances of getting a better one than Queensland? No, not like, really. Are you, are you copping that? Yeah. Not, not overly. Christ. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the forward pack's good too, but Christ, yeah, I don't think you could be, um, I don't think there's much improving to do, is there? No, <laughs> like, no not really. They're, miss, they're missing Ben Iken over in the ARL. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. If you, well, if you look at the Queensland uh, ARL side, I mean, Robbie O might have got into that in, probably at that stage of his career compared to Lockyer, he might have got in. But, uh, you know, Brett Dallas, Matt Singh, Mark Coyne, Danny Moore, Ben Ike and Adrian Lamb. There's not many there that you... There's, there's not much swapping you'd do. No, no. You might have got O Davis or Singh in on the wing because Matt Rogers was very young. But Matt Rogers yeah. probably ended up as good enough to hold that spot. But, uh, yeah, look, aside from that, the New South Wales side, I just don't think... I'd like to point out that I don't think Tim Sheens covered the fullback spot well enough because... 
you know, having started, um, you know, David Peachy there and put Ken Nagus and Brett Mullins on the wings, he also saw fit to put Robbie Ross as one of his interchanges because you were allowed two interchanges and two reserves. So yeah. two guys could come on and off and two guys would only go on if there was a, an actual injury. So I'm really glad that he doesn't seem to have really had a lot of cover for other positions, but had, you know, Brett Mullins... Uh, David Peachy and Ken Nagus corn down, then Robbie Ross was ready to go. Like, yeah. what, why? What's the thinking yeah. behind that? <laughs> the thing about Robbie Ross is you wouldn't necessarily have... Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. I think there is a broader question uh, about why Brett Mullins wasn't deemed fit to play fullback in this side. I, there are very By few his club pe- coach, yeah. Yeah, there, there are very <laughs> few people who are fonder of David Peachy than me. Mm. But I just find it very hard to believe that in 1997 when David Peachy hadn't been around that long, Brett Mullins, that, that he was better than Brett Mullins. I, I, I find that a little bit, uh, a little bit jarring. Yeah. There's a, I think that he might've had some injuries because they mentioned back to his best or his back when he scored a try yeah. or something. So it might've been, he, he um, it's a funny one. I, I'll have to check this because I forgive me if I'm wrong, but I swear that Rabs at one point starts complaining that someone was unlucky to miss the super league test. And, can I just say, does that add to the oddity of the situation? Surely there wasn't a test in the middle of the try series. Uh, hopefully, Rab's got that wrong. I don't know. No, um, that was I. I did it, hear that. I think it was Sterlow, but I don't remember who he was yeah. talking about. But I did hear him say that. I'm going to look that up while we're. There talking. can't have been a Super League test in the middle of the try series before the two finalists. I mean, to be fair, the ARL did that for for years, plonking tests before the Origin series. But in the middle would be odd, even by that, yeah, sort of the even, standards of rugby league. Yeah. Yeah, that is odd. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to look into we'll get, this. But we'll get back to it. We'll, yeah. we'll get back to the. We'll get, get get back to people on this. But it, it it's just a um, the because the thing about the tests is that Super League, the, the the Super League tests were a lot stronger than the ARL tests because New Zealand and Great Britain went pretty much holeless bolus to Super League. Uh, they, they signed over their um, they they signed over their whole leagues to them, and so they you know the New Zealand side that Super League was able to put out was a mile stronger than any side that the ARL could have done. And the same with Great Britain. Well, that's right. They they basically, um, we've made a point that uh, in a previous pod that if you put on balance, when you look at 98 and 96, that the ARL possibly had stronger club sides um, overall. Uh, But I will make the point that Super League by far had the superior representative competition. Um, They have all of Great Britain, uh, all of New Zealand, they have all of Queensland, yeah. uh, basically, and they, they, that, they're, they're the only international competition. Like Australia over in the ARL was playing against the rest of the world side that included a player who'd never played a game of rugby league before. He played, he debuted, um, Innes, who went to Manly, he debuted for the rest of the world before he actually played a game of rugby league. He's playing New Ze- uh, rugby in New Zealand. So there's no question Super League had the superior uh, international game uh, and they, you know, the ARL, sorry to take you on a little of a sidetrack, but the ARL really reaped what they sowed there. They, they spent a long time, Arco and all these people spent all this time pissing about wanting to wear their stupid blazers on, on, on kangaroo toes to England. Nothing mm. else mattered. That's all they thought mattered. They, they pissed on New Zealand for decades. They wouldn't give them meaningful games. They wouldn't give them in-season games. They wouldn't schedule for them. They treated them like a sort of redheaded stepchild and, you know, then really just couldn't believe it when they took an offer to get a whole heap of money and a whole heap of exposure and a chance to play in the origin series, basically um, to go over. They just couldn't believe that they, that this had happened, but they very much reap what they sowed. And yeah. I've got got an answer for you. 
Uh, Australia played New Zealand in a Super League test on the 25th of April. So it was on Anzac Day. Uh, the 11th of April was the first game in the Tri-Series. So, it was, so, they played, so they played New South Wales v Queensland on the 11th. Then they played a mm. test, Australia versus New Zealand on the 25th. Then they played Queensland v New Zealand on the 9th. And uh, New South Wales v New Zealand on the 14th of May. And New Zealand won none of those. <laughs> yeah, well, so, so New Zealand, having been unable to beat North, New South Wales or Queensland, were unsurprisingly unable to beat them combined uh, in a test in the yeah. middle of those two games. Isn't that bizarre? Can you, can you imagine putting the, putting the test match in the middle of the... Even, even the ARL's never done that. Like, they haven't yeah. put Origin 1 test match. That's insane. And then it, it's I'm just, glad, uh, I'm glad it, you brought that up. That's bizarre. It's unbelievable because it, it, it's one of those things is that... The, I, I've always been less, uh, whilst I, I, I'm not fond of Super League, I've always been less uh, venomous about that than you. Um, but can I just say, like, you get this idea that I, what my narrative's always been the ARL did a lot wrong and mm. they, they did a lot wrong and they sort of deserved to someone to come in, like someone coming in and seeing all these things wrong that you could do better makes sense. And they brought that on themselves. But I tell you what, you go, oh, you know, like finally someone who understands a little bit about bringing the game into the modern era comes in and then you go, it's no better. Like no. they've scheduled a series with a test match in the middle of the series. So they're making Talis and Lazo and all these guys go and play. Well, they played in the same club side, but you know what I mean? Make the New South Wales and Queensland sides come together in the middle of their series to play together. And then you're expecting to get an origin like atmosphere a week That's later and all this when they play against each other. Super and also, yeah. you know, the big one we missed, they're really important. You, you, you made some sarcastic marketers dreams comments and, yeah. and that test match flows into it. How's this one? So that, this is the first ever year that they've brought this in. They're trying to make this stick and they're trying to make it work. There's no scheduled game in Queensland for New South Wales versus Queensland. This is by chance. The final yeah. only plays in Queensland because they happen to just beat, New Zealand the game before. So by complete chance, they have this game. So you would have scheduled a series that didn't market as dream. No New South Wales game in Queensland. Yeah, you that's unbelievable. Work. And it they, easily could have not happened. It's pure chance they got to play this game up there. Super League did some truly... The more you read about, what, about Super League's organisation of the season, mm. the more you realise how, how wacky some of it was. Like they played a World Club Challenge with home and away games. But they drew, they smacked it right in the middle of the season, and so you had things like, um, and and the Australian sides mostly pizzled the English sides, but you had sort of like things like Canberra. I think Canberra didn't play a regular season Super League game at home between May and July. Like I think there was about eight weeks where they never played a normal comp game at home. And in the interim, I think they beat, they put 50 on Halifax or something at, at home. But, like, that was it. Um, yeah, they, you're right that for all the kind of idea that, that Super League had this kind of flashy innovation, they also suffered from some of the same kind of brain melt that the ARL did uh, around this time. The kind of doing well, things just, that just, just don't yeah. make any sense. It goes to show it's one of the things that it, it's, it's a typical NR, like ARL, like a club, not, not the NRL, like 
club board election scenario, what you get is you get this whole heap of people go to the election going, look how dumb everyone that's on the board is and everything yeah. they did wrong. So you sweep them into power. And like four years later, you're like, shit, they've just like, the, the, everyone's an idiot. That's, all, that's what you learn. Yeah. It's like the next <laughs> group. But the next, ele- your ticket to get in should always be look how much, how, look how dumb all these people were last time. Yeah. But once you get your go, this is what you come up with. And look, I wonder if I, I hadn't looked into some of that stuff. And I wonder if that developed, if part of that was the, the missing origin atmosphere where you got, there's no doubt this was a quality product and we'll get to it because in terms of the game, they, it was a great quality game. But what you get is with, well, like weird world club challenges are going to be scheduled. Super League games are all over the place. There's a test match in the middle of the series. I wonder if that just didn't let it build the momentum or natural feel that would have given it that feel for the crowd or that intensity that just somehow goes with Origin for no reason. You can't. You don't really know why it's. It is what it is. I, maybe all of that sort of stuff whizzing along and going along and flashing around just makes it hard to get that feel to it or for people yeah. who are a bit confused and they go, all right, we'll go see a game of footy, but what's it mean that we just watched them beat New Zealand last week and now we're cheering against them. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, yeah, that's right. Um, One minute out. Yeah. It just, and also well, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I always, my thing was, I was very, I'm, I'm not like this with origin now, but I was very into it. And what would happen is I you'd used, I used to hate Alan Langer and these guys for two months and then it was over and you stopped hating him and you sort of, cheered for them when they played for Australia. You know what I mean? Like there's this mm. period of time where you'd buy in and loathe them. And then the series was over and you're like, well, that's done for a year. I'll enjoy yeah. that again next May. And I don't hate Jonathan Thurston or Alan Langer or these guys. Anyway, I hated the Brisbane players anyway, but you know what I mean? Like you sort yeah. of go back to just getting on with it. And maybe it was very difficult for people to really sort of be watching the world club challenge and then, a you know, cheering for Laurie Daly in the test and then wanting his head knocked off by Talis a week later. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah. It is weird. And the, I mean, the other thing is that they just, and I mean, Origin wasn't as big then, but that, like, you had a really strong New South Wales side and a really strong Queensland side, mm. and they just they just played each other. They played against each other less than they did in the ARL. Like, they, they contrived this situation where they only played each other once, guaranteed, and then maybe if results went the right way, if they both managed to beat an actual test side, they might play again. Uh, at the end of the se- at the end of the series, uh, it's um, yeah, it, it's really um, it's really wacky. Now you want yeah, to talk about to make some- money. If you're trying to make money, you, you're scheduling them to play each other more than one a time in Sydney. Yeah, you know it, that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? It, it? You're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you're gonna you want me to run through some players? There were some players that jumped out to you. Yep. Yeah, look, I just thought we should, whenever we do a, ga- a rep game, I think it's important to say who stood out. And I, I mm. won't run through it in detail, but it's just important, I think, because you get a lot of good players in the field. Yeah. Um, when you watch Penrith v North, Brandy Alexander standing out isn't that surprising, but it's good to know when you've got all these great players playing who has a good game, I think. So just really quickly, um, Langer had a really good game. Alan Langer was extremely dangerous um, and, and darty. Uh, he suits, like, he's a great player anyway, but he suits the time here and he suits Bill Harrigan like Bill Harrigan really tries to give him a lot of room and not penalize and hold them back and I know you don't like him and I don't either but they really tried to make a fast game and they tried to contrive a fast game and I believe that was probably part of Super League's initiative to get a fast game and to get a deep 10 in this stuff and it suits Alan Langer he's just really quick and really nippy yeah I've got some thoughts on I've got some thoughts on Bill Harrigan 
uh, which I'll share as the, match, as, as the match goes on. But I just want to state I, at the outset that I think he's a pillar. Go on. Yeah, yeah I thought you might. No, I didn't mean that as a um, defence of Bill Harrigan. I just mean that environment suits Alfie. <laughs> he had a really good game, um, but I've got some thoughts on his ability to kick field goals I'll share later. Um, young Craig Gower. I just, mm. think I just want to put on record that Craig Gower is such a good player. Mm. Probably isn't quite remembered. He also... Um, kissed him in and bit him on the neck in a nightclub and chased Mitchell Pierce with a butter knife. So I want that noted too. But yeah. he, um, that was all ahead of him at this point. point. That was, that was yeah, all ahead yeah. of him. Yeah. Best stuff ahead of him, but he was a really good halfback and a really good hooker. Um, and he, he'd he be was the best really half. Noticeable. Craig Gower would be the best halfback in the comp now if he played right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the best when he did play, but yeah, he yeah. Would, yeah. he's a really good footballer. Um, had a good game. I, uh, Dave Ferner is one I just thought people might not remember a lot of. He was a really good back rower, a really good edge with nice feet, and he made a good impact in a game where there were some bigger names playing. Um, and last two, just quickly, I just want to say that Gordon Tallis, <laughs> yet again, is just a fucking wrecking ball. Like, he's frightening. I don't wonder that you're frightened of him. He's a menacing individual. He's on a field. He plays against Bradley Clyde, Glenn Lazarus, um, you know, Kearns, Howe, all these, so probably Howe on the juice as well. All these guys are out in that field. And Tallis belts the living hell out of the brick off the kickoff. Like, he smacks him. And then he runs over Brad Clyde not long after. It was a really interesting era that sort of, I sort of associate Tallis with the, ARL and sort of Clyde with the early 90s. And it's like this sort of crossing, the weird crossing over to watch him playing. Talos with the NRL, you mean? Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Talos yeah. with the NRL and, and Clyde with the early 90s. And seeing mm. them sort of toe-to-toe felt out of step with when they played. And it was nice to watch. And But Gordy, Gordy had a really terrorising game against a really good side. And he was just notably better than nearly any other forward. Um and lastly, uh, I just want to spend a little bit of time with you, if you'll indulge me. I've, I've got some stuff to bring up on, on, on Mullins. So mm. for those who don't know, Brett Mullins scores a Hattie and uh, gets a fourth one disallowed by no real fault of his. Sort of maybe steps on the touchline, but hard to avoid. So he really could have had four easily. He's sort of involved in one of the other tries. He's dangerous all game um, with that ridiculous sort of raw bone running style, the way he just swivels his hips and turns. And he's not... Big. He's not that fast, really. Like, he's got a turn of speed, but he's not. I don't know what it is, but he's just a fantastic player. Yeah, he and, is. It's, it's hard. You're he right. Is. He has this kind of. He has this kind of earthy, unexplained athleticism. You know, it's kind of. It's hard to, to explain quite how he's doing it because he doesn't. I, the thing I'd say about Brett Mullins is he doesn't really look like anyone else. Like his, no. his style, his running style, and where he gets his power and his pace and his some of the skills that he had. He doesn't. You you look at certain players and you go, oh, he looks a bit like such and such mm. or the way he plays. But he doesn't look like anyone. Brad Mullins. He, yeah, he's quite no, a not really because it's, it's he's a very unusual player to watch. Yeah, he is. I tried to come up with one, and I was loath to bring it up because I don't want to confuse people who are watching this, watching him now, because it doesn't remind me of all of him now. But the only one I can really think of is when he was about twenty. Josh Dukin was a little bit like this when he was still skinny, and yeah. he used to power out of tackles and swivel his hips through and run. There was a little bit of Brett Mullins in him when he first burst on at Canberra before he got on the roof with the, the UDLs and stuff. He was a little bit like this. It's the only one I've got because you're right; he's very unique and. You know, I might be clouded a little bit by all, coming through it. Yeah, you know, it's all like he's all joints, isn't he? <laughs> like he's all yeah, he's all elbows mm. and knees and shin bones and all this. Like it's all bones and yeah, he. Yep. There's not an ounce yep. of fat on him, but he's got this this wiry, mad pace and 
just kind of straight. He turns up in all parts of the field, and mm. he, like he had, mm. does things like that famous chip and chase try for the Raiders and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, very unusual so, player. Yeah, that's right. And look, I, I, well, the reason I want to bring him up is I've done a bit of research on him. So I want to put, put to you that uh, we've spoken a bit about Super League and the way it ruins legacies a little bit. I'm going to put to you that Brett Mullins is the person most impacted in terms of his legacy as a great player by the Super League war. Um, and what I want to sort of set out a little bit of his, his history here is that he really burst onto the scene in 94. He'd played before then, but this was his coming out party. Uh, for those who want to understand what that was like, he, he, he was the Hain 09 Barber 2012 sort of year, the, the unstoppable immovable force yeah. of look at this guy um, in the middle of the season from round 16 to round 18. He scored three tries against the Sharks in round 16, four against Souths in round 17, four against Newcastle in round wow. 18 for a total of 11 tries in three weeks. Um, get that going. new super coach team. <laughs> yeah, just not a little bad, bit. Is it? Um, yeah, that, that's not bad. Uh, he, um, he had this amazing year and wove into the Australian side off the back of that. He hadn't played rep football before then. And what then happens is um, he then goes on in 1995 and the Super League war has burst out. And people who have signed with Super League are banned from playing representative football. So he's unable to play representative football in 1995. And he then goes on in 1997 to play rep football that essentially we don't really look at or, or count. So by the time of 98 rolls around, Brett Mullins is a little bit past his absolute peak. He still has a wonderful career. Um, he ends up scoring uh, 126 tries in 221 games. He has 105 tries and 183 for the Raiders and comes back after a year in the Super League to score 17 on the wing for the Roosters in 26 games. So he certainly um, has a really wonderful career. But what I want to talk to about a little bit is, is his rep career and the lack of legacy there is that if you go back and just look at Brett Mullins, he plays five origins and five tests um, for a player that's this good and this well-remembered. And there's sort of a couple of things to that. It's firstly, he misses 95 origins. That's three origins he would have played after being the best player in the world, basically in 94 is he then also would have played, he then missed um, 96 injured and 97, he plays three Super League sort of origins, if you want to call them that. So that takes it from five, that's six more origins he should have played into 11. And he also missed a series injured. So, you know, with a bit of luck, he played some of them as well. But it sort of doubles his origin count. And he then, with his test stuff, he misses the World Cup, which yeah. is four, five, six games, re- realistically. At a, time when the world, at a time when the World Cup was probably a little bit bigger deal than it was now. It was probably on the way down, but it was still... You know, it was still like test football was still regarded as a serious kind of test of how good people were. Yeah, and there was, and, and it was, and he just would have played them. He's played five tests, just isn't yeah. right. Like it, yeah. it takes it to nine or ten. He plays three Super League tests, takes it to thirteen, and you're starting to look at twelve, thirteen Origins, twelve, thirteen tests, and incumbency. You got to realize that he doesn't get in in '96, even when he gets fit again to the test sides. He doesn't get in in '98, but incumbency always meant a lot. And if he yeah. was in the teams, he possibly wouldn't have been out of the teams. And and what you get there is just it's it's not just numbers, but it's all these are chances for legacy because. This is what we remember. He just scored a hat-trick in a basically a golden point win in the Interstate Series. Now, I put it to you that if he had done that in the State of Origin Series, which he bloody well may well have done if it was on, that is something we still talk about Billy Slater's try. We still talk about these moments in Origin. You talk about Paul Gallen playing 80 minutes in the front row, the Brick playing 80 minutes in the front row. These are the things, the Andrew Johns comeback. These are things people talk about 
for years and years and years and put people's names and up in lights. And they, they kind of gild the, the memories of, of players, don't they? They're the things that, mm. that kind of elevate people from, you know, being very well remembered for their exploits in round 10 at Brookvale Oval to being remembered as gods, you know? That's exactly right. These are the, the things that mythologise players and, and set them up in lights. And, and, you know, he missed out on a lot of opportunities where he may have had that sort of game. And in fact, not only that, he does have that sort of game against the whole Queensland side. He has it here. And nobody remembers it. I didn't know about it. It's, it's, it's a stormer of a game. It's unbelievable. Yeah, he turns so, up everywhere. He's, so he's, yeah, he's playing on yeah. the wing but manages to not only influence the result. He's not, he, it's, he's not just falling over the line. Like he scores, no. he scores one in the middle. He saves a try late in the game on the edge, like he, he on the other side. All this kind of thing. He, yeah, he's tremendous. You're absolutely right. And yeah, it's a it's a it's a sound point that he's probably that that those those couple of years uh, really mired a lot of people's careers and and distorted uh, the amount of rep games that people played and and all of that. Uh, and you're probably right. He because of his time because of how he timed his run, uh, he probably yeah. suffered from that more than anybody. That's uh, his absolute peak. It's his absolute yeah. peak of his football. And he both was denied the opportunity in 95 and other years to actually have these moments on the big stage. And he, in fact, did have this moment on the big stage in the wrong competition. Like Everyone remembers Jamie Goddard knocking out Ingram Johns <laughs> yeah, like, in, right. in, the, in a series that was like, let's be fair and income about it. No better in terms of quality than this and arguably maybe we'll get to whether it is as, as good on paper as this quality so Brett Mullins has done this in a bigger game than Jamie Goddard hitting Andrew Johns but it's the wrong wrong game yeah just for, for no fault of his I, the wrong I, I'm like you I had no and yeah it, I had no memory I had no idea that this happened I didn't watch this game I, I've never yep. there's no you never see highlights of it you never. it's not considered and this is what I mean about and this is our conversation about does it feel like state of origin mm. watching this is very odd because it doesn't feel like it's part of like the rugby league canon. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't, it feel, it doesn't <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like yeah. it doesn't feel like it's part of history. It's like this hermetically sealed bit over there that happened, mm. but has no influence on anything else. The performances mm. of people in super league don't really have any bearing on them, how they're remembered as players. No, the, the, it, it's just not part of, it's, it's not part of the timeline. Well, how many people? It's a, par- it's a parallel. Think, it's a parallel yeah. universe. You're right. You're right. Which you know, know what's part of. We didn't watch. My, no. We never watched Super League games. They were on Channel Nine, but we never watched them. No. You know, a really good example to further that one would just be how many times do you think Brett Finch has been asked to talk about his field goal in a pub versus Noel Goldthorpe? Like these days, yeah. where they get you in a pub and tell a pub yeah. story, or you, they get you to go do these like oh beers with Finchie, and he tells the story. How many times do you think Noel Goldthorpe's been asked to talk about his winning field goal against an absolute belting Queensland side? Yeah, compared to say similar story like sort of battling half that was you know a good player, but not you didn't have twenty games at this level, and and you know he was behind a lot of good players, got his shot, and and had a moment. Yeah. And it's just, it's nowhere near it that happened. conversation. And it's the same thing. You know, um, Ben Kennedy is a great example of this. Ben, ben Kennedy scored, I think, 17 tries in 1997 for the Raiders. I'll yeah. check that, but I think that's right. Now, that, that is like, for a second row, that's a wild year. Like, that's a stunning year. But it's that not... that again in 2001 for the well, Knights? But, well, exa- well yeah. exactly. But, yeah. um, but, if, if, but it's not... It's not something that people remember. I it's didn't not know. something that yeah. Well, there you go. Like that. Well, you're the one, you're one of the biggest Ben Kennedy fanboys going, and uh, yeah, I, I run the club. Yeah, he he played eighteen. No, he I just look at it. he played eighteen games, 
and scored 15 tries in the second row. Not bad going. Wild. Um, That's a pretty young bloke too, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. It was only his second year in first grade. He would have been the boom rookie. He would have got a big deal out of that if he'd have done that in the ARL. He would have ended up yeah. somewhere on money. Uh, he probably wouldn't have ended up at the Knights, in fact. Uh, but yeah, it's just... Um, oh, don't, don't talk to me like that. No, no, but um, I'm just saying... How are we? Yes. Yeah. Now, no, should, we get, should, um, should we get... Yes, we uh, should, but can I, finish you, can I finish off very briefly absolutely. by just giving you a Brett Mullins quote I accidentally found when looking up this information when asked about his career? Hit me. Uh, I wasn't really that quick. Over 40 to 50 metres, I guess I was, but I wasn't over 100 metres. I think I used to drink and smoke too much. There's no doubting I had a good time. I said that's wonderful. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah. The guy yeah. won a comp, played at every level of the game. and <laughs> used to drink and smoke too much. Good luck to him. Yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, this game is covered on Channel 9. The, uh, the pre-game says the superpowers of Southern Hemisphere Rugby League have provided, uh, paraded their champions in a new three-cornered contest. It's very funny about Super League. I don't want to dwell on this, but Channel 9 having fought so hard against... Rebo and Murdoch and all of this. Packer then, of course, makes a dirty deal just before the Super League season starts to show it on his network, having thrown so much money at trying to knock it off. Uh, and the funny thing about that is that the ARL spokespeople fighting against Super League largely were Peter Sterling and Paul Vorton, the, the main men on Channel 9, the big, the big kind of personalities on Channel 9, who then had to go and call Super League games and pretend they were interested in them. Um, and... So it's kind of, it was funny to see Sturlow having to host this Super League coverage when you know that he spent quite a bit of time over the preceding two years trying to avoid this sort of thing ever happening. Uh, but, you know, they call it, they, they do their best. Now, um, I, just before we talk about the tries, I just have to mention that uh, Rabs is the lead caller here. There's Sturlow and Gary Freeman in the box. And then about 20 minutes into the game, without any introduction, without any warning that this was coming, Rabs throws down to the sideline. What's going on down there, Daryl? I thought you might have something to say about that. <laughs> and it's, it's Daryl Eastlake. And I had... They never said that... You can't just... You, no. you can't just throw... You can't just toss up Daryl Eastlake in the middle of a football game with no warning. You can't just throw to him as Daryl and then it's just... Daryl Eastlake on the sideline. Look at that. Just, just going, oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, it's great to be here. Oh, it's going to be huge. Like, you, you can't. It's no good. I was really rattled by it. And he immediately makes an impact too because he says, he says Gordon Tallis is completely busted and he thinks he's going to come off. And then Gordon Tallis dumps Brad Clyde. <laughs> like, <laughs> spears him. Really brutally. There's another Daryl Eastlake moment later on, which I'll come to. But I just... You can't. He's totally unsuited to the sideline role. Does that they throw to him and he just to wildly whip things up um, off the cuff? He's, <laughs> he's totally out of position on the sideline. If he, yeah. And also, you can't. You have to give fair warning to people. This is how wars get started. You can't just tightly. You can't be just as sudden, like surprise, Daryl like It really rattled me. It threw me right off my game early on. Yeah, I, if I watched I'm, this before you, and I was very careful not to give any hint that this happened because I had a real oh, sense this would sit you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I've got more thoughts on Daryl as the game goes on, but I just had to mention that uh, the, mm. we, the, the, the early exchanges of this game are very tough and the ball swings around quite a lot. It, what you said about it being a fast game is right, that there is a lot of really good football played and they mm. seem to want to pass and move, pass and move, keep the ball going. Uh, New South Wales score first from uh, a bomb from Laurie Daly from 20 out. 
uh, Mullins out jumps Darren Lockie. It's a great jump. It's a really it's one of those ones where you don't ex- he goes up and you just expect the fullback to catch it, and and Mullins comes down with the ball. Uh, Lockie are probably not thrilled about the Queensland trainer who ran across in front of him just as the bomb went up. <laughs> um, <laughs> just possibly sort of. This was when Darren Lockie could still talk as well, so he might have had some words with him. Um, and then there is there's a lot of excitement. There's a couple of things like there's a shanked bomb that very nearly ends up in a try to Andrew Weddinghausen. Uh, there's a there's a grubber and chase by Langer that's very dangerous. Um, Eddinghausen they spread the ball out to ET on about halfway, and he completely like has a complete kick at fresh air, and the ball goes into touch. Um, and then finally, Queensland score a fantastic try in the 21st minute uh, from a scrum, 20 out from their own line. They spread it out to Renoff, who uh, who Gary Freeman persists in calling Renoff. So we've got Renoff and Renoff. Uh, Renoff away from the trifecta. They spread it out to Renoff, 20 out, who bumps into a tackle, offloads it to Tony Carroll, who goes the distance. And Tony Carroll, I don't know about you, I... He absolutely tears down the sideline. ET comes across in cover, doesn't lay a glove on him. I wasn't aware that Tony Carroll was this quick at any stage in his career. No, and it was frightening because I did know he was that big. Yeah. (laughs) It looks horribly wrong. He he doesn't move with a silky smoothness of a Darren Lockyer, shall we say. There's sort of a, you know, everything's wobbling while he's running down the field. But Jesus Christ, he's fast and it's fearsome because you're looking at him going, I don't want much of this. No. Like, I don't want much of tackling him. Um, I will say, obviously, the obvious thing we need to point out is if you do, if you run off, ran off often enough, you'll score tries. So you've you got to put yep, that straight thanks, into perspective. That. But, um, there was he, a, did you see there was a early on after? So there's a really, when Goldthorpe shanks that bomb, hmm. Rab says, oh, it's not, it's a terrible kick from Goldthorpe. And then Sturlow has a crack at him about it later. He says, oh, yeah, it was a pretty ordinary kick from, from Goldthorpe, wasn't it, right? And, and Rab's, Hits him with one, which we never hear it anymore. Rabs goes, he turn it up, turn it up. Yeah, yeah it's good. Fantastic. It was good. It was Lit good. Lit me right up. But yeah, it was uh, it was good footy. Uh, Lovely the, try. Lovely try. Yeah, it's a beauty. Uh, after thirty two minutes, it's six four to uh, New South Wales. It's only the fact that there's been a try each, and it's only Ferner con- uh, who's converted his um, or converted theirs. But after thirty two minutes, there had been fifteen handling errors. Um, Eight seven, so a fair split, uh, but it's really good footy. And this is the thing I think we were talking about in the Manly versus Canberra game of a couple of weeks ago. That you know, that just because there's a lot of mistakes in a game doesn't mean it's bad football. Because the mistakes in this game come from people pushing passes, people trying to offload, people mm. trying to do things with the ball and actually score points. Um, it, it, it's not a it's not a scrappy game. It's just a game where a lot of chances are being taken and some of them are being missed. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, I think that's dead right. And it's really enjoyable football. I will yeah. just say the one thing I would say is that I don't personally believe that if this was a state of origin game, there would have been 15 errors. I just don't, I think they would have clamped, they would have considered it too important to keep doing that. That's my yeah, view. That's I remember watching games. Um, I, we've watched games in the nineties of state of origin. State of origin is always a bit of a slugfest. Yeah. Um, I watched the 98 one quite a while ago and it wasn't that open like this, even with Johns and Lockyer and Walters and all these guys on both teams. It, it wasn't quite like that. New South Wales opened up at the early 2000s when they, they had quite a good side. But most of the time, it's very rare to see two teams go at it this openly. And I just get the sense that 
they were bought in and they threw it around and they were aggressive and they wanted to win. But I just wonder whether if you went in going, this is state of origin, whether we wouldn't have seen them go, well, oh, you got to tuck it under your wing here. You can't hand the ball over. You can't give them an inch. Might have ended up yeah. being the attitude because it always yeah. is. And, and that's, it, that's not to say that this wasn't as good in quality as this. I'd probably rather watch this sort of game, but it just goes to the mindset again. It may be that, you know, that Laurie Daly perhaps doesn't think He's playing for the State of Origin Blues side or, or Talis and these guys don't yeah, think they're representing bloody yeah. choppy close and all this, you know? feeling that the stakes aren't quite as high or the risk isn't quite as high. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, but the game, there is, you, you wouldn't say that either side was really on top. There's a lot of back and forth. Um, and then finally, just before half time, there is a really good try scored by Queensland where Langer feeds the ball out to Lockyer who comes back inside, offloads it to Langer Langer gets tackled and offloads it back to Lockyer, who has been absolutely belted by Glenn Lazarus, got an offload away and stayed alive. Now, I, I think there are two types of staying alive that are fairly unlikely if you're getting hit that hard by Glenn Lazarus. Um, he's did, he did very well to, to stay alive in the play and get up and pass again. But he sort of, like the way that Lazarus hit him, he did quite well to kind of like remain alive breathing. and mm, breathing yeah. and like with a heart rate. Uh, but he, he manages to bob up get the ball back from Langer and throw a really nice held up ball to Renoff who goes through and scores and Queensland go into the break at 10-6. Yep. Yep. That's right. It's a lovely play there. Uh, Lockie is one of my favorite fullbacks ever to watch. He's fantastic. There's a moment I, I uh, at some point, I'm not sure which half it was. But I just love seeing him again. We, we did those thing where you used to run across field, across field, across field, and then throw it back under to the winger. He'd make yeah. big breaks. He used to do that all the time. It was, I was so fond to see it again. He, he used to back up like this and jink through space, offload the ball. He was a really dynamic player. I, I loved him at fullback. I, yeah, I, he was, was my favorite. Darren Lockyer was fullback for sure. Yeah, he was very enjoyable, wasn't he? Very silky smooth. Um, yeah, and, and it's a beautiful bit of play that just between, just, it's just good footballers looking for space, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, and they go in at 10 6. Now, at half time, uh, Daryl provides his half time talk or provides his summary of the half time talk. Uh, he says that Uncle Wayne Bennett, the Queensland coach, walked the players around the ground individually the night before the game. Mm. Just talked them through it, like maybe some yeah. visualization techniques, Matthew Hayden, Justin Langer style. Um, just kind of take a knee, have a look around. Are you up to it? All that kind of thing. Uh, Daryl, fuck, like that would have been riveting. Yeah, I like reckon. riveting. Wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall for bloody Wayne walking around the oval for five minutes for this gun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah no, nah, you'll be right, man. Get into him. Uh, Daryl, with his psychological insights, says that. Uh, He's very confident it carried through to the dressing room based on Queensland's uh, performance in the first half and spirit in the sheds. Uh, the, the, the Wayne kind of walking around the ground has really bound them together, which is, uh, you, you might have your insane. own thoughts on that. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. But also, it's insane. It's just waffling noise. <laughs> but he it's also says to make noise. Yeah. New South Wales, um, apparently at halftime, were very convinced that they were dudded in the first half because of an incident which you will have picked up on where there's a kick into the end goal and Andrew Eddinghausen does what Greg Inglis later went on to do in a test match in very unusual jerseys about 10 or 15 years ago um, at the SCG and bats the ball back in midair and mm. New South Wales fall on it and claim a try. Now this, this is what I'm calling 
Bill Harrigan is a goose, number one. Um, mm-hmm. The New South Wales players are convinced that it's a try. Yeah, what do we know about Super League? If, if Super League is if Super League is remembered for one innovation and one thing that it brought to rugby league in Australia, it is the video referee. Mm. Right now, this that is the, first... the Chinese market, but yeah, I take. Well, point. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, th- this is the first of several episodes in this game where Bill Harrigan refuses to use the video referee. Now, I hate the video ref and wish it didn't exist. But when it does exist, and you've got a guy flying through midair to bat the ball back in off the dead ball line for a try, Bill thinks he's too good for it. And this goes. Who's to convinced he scored? They're convinced they scored. They're certain they scored, and they don't even look. Bill just says, "No, no, out to the 20. Yeah, yeah, he's a total pinhead. Like anyone who thinks he isn't doesn't get it. Like he's a, just a pinhead. Like he does it. I'm sure we were going to get to it, but let's just let's just rail in now. Sure. There's a try in the second half where they put a foot on the touchline really yeah. clearly. Uh, Nagus stands on the touchline and they score, and they don't check that. But he does check a try later in the game. So he is aware that the technology exists and hasn't forgotten. Yeah. He uses it to check a try that he's not sure is a try, and just refuses to check two really sketchy incidents in the game because he's just a dickhead. This is what he used to do. He's just like, oh, no, I know what I'm doing. I, I just He's got a stupid mullet. I can't stand him. I never liked him. He's an arrogant prick. And I know people go, oh, he was the best referee. No, no. he was just... He was arrogant. He used to. They, he just used to not penalise anyone all game, and then they say, "Oh, it was another Harrigan masterstroke." It was a Harrigan masterstroke. No. Well, just by not blowing penalties, when not applying the rules. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this thing with the thing with him is, you know, do you remember what he went ended up doing in the NRL era when this started? He overruled the video referee once. They had to change the rules. He was refereeing a game at Stadium Australia, and one of our listeners will remember, be able to remember this and give me the details. But I was watching it on TV, and I was young, so I need I need the detail. But he was watching, and the video ref came up with a call and he said no that's not how i saw it and overruled the decision and ruled try or no try against the video ref decision yeah that'd be right he, he's just he's just a loser he's a loser the thing that used to bother me about bill harrigan that still bothers me is he thinks he's a celebrity yeah and that's what it is yeah and he thinks yeah. it's about him like there's a yeah. story that and i will get to it later on about the the extra time but a fellow uh, a friend of the show alex uh, text sent us through uh, an excerpt from Bill Harrigan's book where it talks about this game. And part of it, he says he he said at full time, I only had one thought, get the ball. He took the match ball and still has it. Yeah. But no Goldthorpe just kicked a field goal in the longest match ever played. You've got 34 blokes out there who've worked their guts out and Bill Harrigan takes it upon himself, makes a point of taking the match ball so that he can have it. This is the kind of guy, yeah. this is the bloke he yeah. was. This yeah, I, I could never stand. It was him. always about him, and he wanted yeah. to put and he put him. He wanted to put himself at the center of the game, um, and he would have wanted. That's to- why we got that decision when he took over the referees. He took over the referees and made really bad calls for a period of time. He, he cost New South Wales an origin when Inglis dropped the ball over the try line, stunningly obviously, and he came up with this bizarre ruling of why it wasn't a try and just justified it and argued it to death because he just hmm. wants to be the story. He, he wants to say everyone knew it was a knock on, and he wanted to say I don't care that you all think it's a knock on. I just know it's not, and I'm applying that. No, that's right. Think. He's just a contrarian. And, and he used to do that all the time. He likes to. That's right. He likes to be contrary. He likes to have his name up in lights. He likes to go, I knew best and I said this. And look, he wasn't a terrible referee or anything. Like the refereeing standards are not being great over the course of time. And he wasn't particularly bad. But it, it just the hoopla and carry on, regardless of whether he was or wasn't a reasonable referee, is what I could never really stand. Because you're refereeing no. a football game. You shouldn't really know 
who they who the are. referees are. That's yeah, right. It's not the role in the team to be doing Get on that. With it. You know yeah, that's I mean? right. It's, and if you want to be a celebrity, either play football or shut up. You, you can't. Just, it, yeah, he was a real. Um, he was just a real like show pony goose. He still is. He calls on yeah, Triple M sometimes. Is. Why is he and commentating? This... Like, why is a former referee commentating football? Well, I'm not really sure, to be frank with you. I can't he stand comes on. He's really quite terrible when he does that too. He'll just be sitting there from the box and he'll go, yep, yep, yep. No, I reckon the referee got that one right. You don't have a better view of it than anyone else. You're in the commentary box, like yards and yards away from it. And he'll come in with these experts. I, I don't like him. I never have. I don't, no, I'm I don't sorry. I apologize for that. Yeah. I just had to get that out of my system. It really made me angry in this game. Um, yeah. Well, there's a video that, like the point stands. He would have thought a little he bit on a been, tangent. He would have been making the point that the, the, the mother, the the Eddinghausen thing, and there are about three really like borderline tries that he doesn't refer. He would have been trying to make the point that he didn't need it. He was so good and he was so smart and had such a good view, got himself into the right positions and all this that he didn't need the video referee. That was for other. That was for other lesser. You know, this is for other mortals. You know. Um, yeah, you're exactly right. And that, that's the point is that there was three close calls. There was a Tony Carroll held up too, but Tony Carroll was yeah, pretty was, adamant he scored. Yeah, he was pretty sure time. he scored that. 22 all yeah. in extra time. Yeah. If someone thinks they scored and are held up over the line in extra time, just refer it. Like you just if reckon they, you if might have celebrating a, a try. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's just, it did look close. You couldn't get a good review. The video referee is very funny because they sort of brought the video referee in before they had sort of good camera angles. No, well, that's which right. the purpose. But it, it just, yeah, it, it's, um, you, you're just, it, you're right. It's just this sense that I'm better than this. I don't need this. Or look at me. I saw what happened. I'm not relying on that. I, yeah. I, I could never stand him and, and, and you know. Yeah. Now I'm sorry. I'm sorry to have go away just like that, but I just had to. It had to be done. Now the second half of this game is very good in the sense that there are a lot of it's real back and forth of tries. There's nobody ever really pulls away. Uh, Brett Mullins scores an absolutely wild try, which this is the one where Nagus was in touch and they don't refer it. Mm. Uh, where Matt Ryan over on the left-hand side offloads to Nagus. Nagus puts a foot in touch, but then hurls it back in field. So they're on the left-hand touch line. Mm. On it, even. <laughs> on yeah. the left-hand touchline, yeah. <laughs> Brett Mullen scores in the right corner mm. um, because they swing the ball from one side and then swing it back to the other. Uh, Ferner kicks the goal and it's 12-10. A lot of pace, too. He gets it and just skides down the sideline, Mullen. Yeah, it's a mark. beautiful finish. He, yeah, it's a really he nice just swing. gets it and he changes pace so quickly to get there. Yeah. The, so that's that one. Then six minutes later, in the 51st minute, Renoff scores when Craig Gower drops the ball 20 out. New South Wales in possession. And uh, Queensland are able to counter. It's Kevin Walters who throws the dummy and goes through, finds Renoff, and Renoff goes over. Matt Rogers kicks the goal, and it's 16-12. Then, in the 55th minute, so not long after that, Mullins is in again. This is a great try from Mullins. It's Daly, uh, who dummies crossfield, dummies inside, gives it to Ryan who somehow, through a lot of defenders, gives the ball to Gillies. He finds Mullins. Mullins had a lot to do, but gets through about three defenders to get the ball down. Ferner kicks the goal, 18-16. That's one of those incredible um, footballer's tries because he's not that big or strong, and he just like gets the ball. Brett Stewart scored one of these from Dummy Half in an origin where you go, how? He, get, he got the ball here, Mullins, and he somehow just twists and turns and like goes off one foot to get on the, ro- the shoulder of one guy, then rolls or spins a little bit to get out of the main contact of the other. Like, at every point, he's just moving and twisting his body in tight space. When people are holding him, to just get them off balance enough to keep moving and to keep getting towards the try line, um, 
I don't know, people probably won't remember it. Brett Stewart's called one at Dummy Half once where he went in origin and you went, how did yeah, that happen? It's these guys that know somehow and they know about, it's not their physical strength or their, their pace in this instance. It's just something about them that knows how to play football and knows how to twist and turn and weave and somehow end up over the try line. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's just a football try. It really is. Yeah, having scored once from one side of the field to the other, New South Wales do it again in the 63rd minute. And it begins with a wild looping pass from Andrew Henninghausen, which goes about 25 metres, like 25 metres horizontal and about 78 metres vertical. Uh, and they end up scoring in the far corner with Matt Ryan. Can I say Matthew Ryan is the only player in this game uh, of whom I have no memory whatsoever. And I realise that's probably just because of my age. I was kind of like five turning six when this game was played, but I just have no memory of him. No, I knew the name, but I don't have any memory of him. Uh, mm. Yeah, same but thing. Yeah, so he has quite a good game. game. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. a solid player. Um, what yeah. minute of the game was that try? That was the 63rd. So you've had 45th New okay. South Wales, 51st Queensland, 55th New South Wales, 63rd New South Wales. That's the biggest lead they've had for quite a while. Because Vernon misses okay, so which one, was, which one was the Mullins one down the wing? What minute was that? Uh, that was the 50, uh, 45th. Okay, so in the 45th minute, Brett Mullins is playing right wing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, by the 60 somethingth minute, he scores that twist and turn try yeah, playing 55th, fullback. Yep, 10 minutes later. 55th. So, yeah, and by the 64th minute, he is again at fullback and passes in that series of swings. He's one of the yeah. passes in that series of swings. By the 70th something minute, he's back on the right wing um, because he goes uh, like into touch trying to score a try or, or an extra time. or Anyway, he, after this, he goes back to the right wing. And I just want to make the point. So having gone in the 45th or the fifth, sorry, the 55th or whatever it was minute to fullback and scored a try that nobody else in the field would have scored, passed for another try, what, what didn't they like that they were seeing? <laughs> yeah, everything they thought he good, could go back to the right wing. Everything good that comes from the fullback position for New South Wales comes from Mullins. Yeah, I know he scored on the wing as well, but he's just very good. He was only getting the ball more in the middle. Like they moved him in the middle, and they score about three tries. One of which he twists, turns, and scores. One of which he passes in and is you know, yeah. involved as the link man. And I'm just interested in what they didn't like about it. What it was like, about the stuff that is it's not working. They yeah, move him. get him back out onto the wing yeah. where he belongs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get him know. away from the ball. Yeah. A very good question. Especially the coach. I know Tim Sheens was at the Cowboys by now, wasn't he? But um, nonetheless, he was Mullins' coach sort of in 94 and 94, like he coached Mullins. Had a fair idea of of how good he was. How good he was. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you would have thought there was some sort of sense that I might, might like this guy. He was at the cows by then, wasn't he? Sheens. Yeah. He coached in 97. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Who coached? Did did Mal coach? I think it was Mal. Yeah. Yeah, Mal. Yeah. Um, Rugby league never gave him anything. Now in the 69th minute, the final try of the game, Michael Hancock scores uh, he, he's come onto the field for Matt Rogers. I like the idea that you didn't want Matt Rogers on in the last 10 minutes of a close game uh, when you're chasing the win. Uh, but it's a bomb from Langer. Now, this goes to the point we were making about Mullins because Mullins makes a tackle in the lead-up to this try on the left-hand side of the field, as New South Wales said, but is notionally playing right wing. I don't know how he ended up over there. But I wonder if they were using him as a sweeper in defence or something because Peachy is also at fullback. But Mullins mm. makes this tackle on the far side. And a couple of plays later, Langer just bombs to the wing. And there's no one out there. And it's Eddinghausen. Shifty Sheens. Sheens, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Eddinghausen <laughs> yeah. is the furthest player out on the wing. Mm. Gets out jumped by Brad Thorne, which is just gorgeous to see Brad Thorne soaring through the air. Did he jump? Did uh, he need to? <laughs> not <laughs> Did he really. Just he just kind of yeah. claimed it. 
uh, hands above everyone yeah. else, just by sort of sticking them up. Gave it to uh, gave it to Hancock, who scored. Lockyer kicks the goal from reasonably wide, and that's twenty-two all. Uh, and those are the, that's how it ended up going to extra time. There is a little bit more to tell, but can I just uh, just share with you a couple of highlights uh, from from uh, that don't have that much relevance to the game. In fact, one that has no relevance to the game. Mm. The the upload of this match onto YouTube has managed to capture some of the ad breaks. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I thought you'd their, like that. I'm in their debt. Uh, it was good to see ads for Getaway and for Money, which was a show that hosted by uh, Paul Clitheroe on Channel 9, which I loathed because, I, I, if memory serves, it was on before Burke's Backyard. So, yeah. if you put, so if you put the telly on and Money was still on, and it was just this, you know, this goose talking about reverse mortgages and all this kind of rubbish. If you put that on, if you put the telly on and he was still on, that meant you still had to get through Burke's backyard before the football was on. Mm, Nightmare. Yeah. Uh, there was also an ad break which just, uh, promoted a footy show Logie's Tribute. Now, I don't know what that was about. Um, possibly skiting about a Logie win. Uh, but it all, there was also an ad for Video Easy, uh, which said, we have so many copies of the movie Shine, we guarantee you'll get it first time. Yeah. That, good, that, uh, and they probably still know. got them, you'd hope to think. I would have thought. Yeah. One of the Raiders' best sponsors, one of the great rugby league sponsors, though, the Video Easy Raiders. I know the Canberra mm. Milk's famous, but the Video Easy Raiders is a beautiful jersey, isn't it? They've it is. had some good sponsors. Stupid orange Video Easy on the front. Yeah, no less than the Union later on, too. Well, I was going to say, they've been really blessed by having Woodges, Canberra Milk, Video Easy, and the CFMEU all on board at various times. Yeah, yeah, that's a think tank, isn't it? It is. Only one of them has ever been subject to a royal commission so far. Yeah. But uh, that's uh, so. That's one of the things I wanted to mention. Some of the ad breaks, which mm. are very good, and a window into the time. But also, Daryl East, like this, is his best moment of the match for me. Uh, about the sixty-fifth minute, there's footage. They they throw down to him. Daryl Ian Roberts has got a problem. So they get out of the sideline. There's footage of Ian Roberts looking very sore on the sideline. And Daryl says, yeah, I've never seen him wincing like this. He's in a lot of pain. I think he's got a dislocated knuckle or a burst of blood vessel. <laughs> Any word of whether that was accurate? He then said, I think he'll come back. With a burst blood vessel? <laughs> he's either got a dislocated knuckle or a burst blood vessel. He's in more pain than I've ever seen him. I've never seen him wince like this. I think he'll be back. Yeah. I just, I just want to repeat that Daryl East, like a sideline eye, is one of the, is one of the greatest innovations to come out of the Super League period. I don't know whose idea it was, but I'm so Do we glad. Have any word? Any word on whether the blood vessel was? Accurate? I've got no idea. What I hope he's okay. Was. It could be quite serious if he's burst, you know, like blood spurting blood out of vessels. Um, just, you know, but what, what's how could he have a busted knuckle, like a dislocated knuckle, or a burst blood vessel? What kind of diagnosis is this? Yeah, but it's just sort of shooting darts at the. It's a bit like saying you, you, you've, yeah. yeah, like you've either got the flu or like, a, like you've got syndesmosis. Yeah, 
Sadly, I was going to say that too. That's weird. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's. I, I agree with you. It also, can I make the point that Ian Roberts was notorious for having chronic injuries at this point? Like the thought you'd never seen him in iPhone. He'd been playing with one knee for about three or four years and was like well known for having extraordinarily busted physically. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's a good point. Just a slight tangent for you is that when I said it was weird seeing Clyde, I know Clyde kicked on just into the NRL, but it was weird seeing him play Gordy. The, the Super League is a particular. If we watch some more games, we'll get some more of this. It was quite an odd time because you do get this weird mishmash of errors because all these players extended their careers purely because they've been playing yeah. for shit all. And all of a sudden, guys like Ian Roberts got a massive payday when they were pretty much done. Um, there's a lot of players like that that just limped in because why so wouldn't you? Like, good on them. And yeah, and like, I mean, she, like Dale Shearer like sort of limped on with um, weak ARL sides. But the Super League will be one, I think, where they will have got some name players who were pretty much cooked, have just dragged their bodies up yeah. for another year and you get to see them playing against guys we remember really fondly quite recently like watching Darren Lockyer play against Ian like with uh, and against Ian Roberts is very odd it is odd. like that's a totally like Ian Roberts you think of as the late 80s decking Gary Jack like Darren Lockyer to me is only just retired I know he hasn't really but like yeah. it's such a, a no, that right. makes no sense does it like it's totally no, You'd love to know the oldest player, the oldest player Ian Roberts played against that's retired. That's and then true. Like Darren Lockyer. Like so Ian, Roberts might have, Ian Roberts might have played against like Sturlow and that kind of thing, right? Like at least. Oh, in, easily. From, yeah, easily. Yeah, yeah. Sturlow played in the 90s. You could yeah, go, true. Ian Roberts played in the mid, like late 80s. So he would have played guys that, you know, 70s guys limping on into the mid, late 80s or something. Like, yeah, you know, so or, same, or like he might have played, say, Crusher Cleal. Easy, yeah, he would have. Yeah, he would have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. played in the eighty in the grand final we watched. And, and, that's what and I'm thinking. Roberts in eighty seven, yeah. yeah. And then he's playing like Darren Lockyer and like Ryan Rogers played Girdler, earlier yeah. in the series. Yeah, mm. yeah. Matty Rogers is a good one. I I did want just want to agree with you on Matty Rogers. Um, I know Lockyer kicks this goal, but the thought that you were this like six points behind and you didn't want Matt Rogers goal kicking and his field goal kicking potentially yes. on the field is a real shout. Um. I mean, three knees came on and did what three knees. That's just sort of stumbled and weirdly staggered. Seven like refused to be tackled and kind of just fighting. Yeah, yeah. He's like um, a wonderful, wonderful. Like he's just playing rugby league. Like he's like really. It's like that's rugby league on bipolar. It's, it's Michael Hancock's running because he just goes. I'm going to go that way. No, I want this way. Yeah. No, that way. That way. And he can't really but work the energy, out what he wants to do. He had this wonderful frenetic kind of energy all the time. He's quite enjoyable. He's like a very good Justin Ryder, like ten times better <laughs> version of Justin Ryder. That's a stunning comment. Like he's I'm just not, stumbling. I, that's that's. That's possibly too mad even do, for me. Do you know what I mean? Not really, no. Like, I, like, <laughs> stumbling and like, it, it doesn't look like someone playing football should oh, be sure, stumbling, can... stuttering and running sideways and yeah, tripping. Very un, and very ungainly. Yeah. Bizarre, I, bizarre. I've got another, I've got another bagging of Harrigan, right? There's a penalty. Yeah. Well, we haven't done this, so go, go for it. I've got another one. That he penalises Solomon Hamona. So Solomon Hamona gets up to play the ball and knocks it on, and then I'll hold you just there. Is that your only gripe that he penalised Solomon Hamona? Well, that general. alone should be yeah. a <laughs> Solomon Hamona. I don't know if Solomon Hamona had met the pleasure machine by this point. Whether there had been, whether there were green shoots of romance with the with, with the pleasure oh, machine by this stage. I was hoping Daryl had interview her on the sideline, that, but I didn't well, get any of that. Yeah, that, that <laughs> That's exciting. Imagine him doing yeah. that. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, sensational stuff. Anyway, yeah. he gets, Solomon Romano gets up, knocks it on, and then sort of vaguely tries to play it, trying to cover up the fact that he's knocked it on. Now, it's a clear as day knock on. Bill Harrigan comes marching over with his stupid haircut and says, that's too bad, play the balls in a row, and blows a penalty. Mm. 
Yeah, a couple of things. Firstly, there's no rule. That's not that a rule. You can you can't penalise, and it's one. It's actually one of my most hated referee things. It's this managing of the game, not refereeing what you're seeing. Stuff like no, no, no. I've called you offside three or four times. So I had to blow you this time. So if you called him off three, offside three or four times, penalise it. And in yeah. this case, oh, no, nah, a lot of bad play the ball, mate. If you saw a bad play the ball, pull it up for a penalty or knock on. Like whatever the rule is, yeah. um, you need to pull that up. You can't penalise him because you've been. Oh, no, I've been letting you get away with it for no reason, even though the rule is you can't. And this random one because you'd be entitled to say if he goes look that's a couple of bad plays but you would be entitled to say okay i thought it was all right because you were like letting us do it i thought that was yeah and look the other thing about that is i hate play the balls in the 80s and 90s because nobody knew everybody anybody who hasn't watched an 80s and 90s game just think that every player was andrew Fafita, like <laughs> just dementedly unable to play the ball for no reason and like Glenn Lazarus just drops it about four times like just gets it up and just drops it and then heals it back with a it's like basically a backward drop kick. Plenty of them put it on the ground and just roll it. Some of them, it, it's awful. Like there's no, and look, if that's the rule, if you're going to let them do whatever, that's fine. But there was as bad as this one was and as obvious as a knock on as it was, it wasn't yeah. any worse than all these ones he'd let go. No. You know what I mean? Like there's no, all do, these yeah. let go over and over and he over. Also pulls up, he also pulls up our Solomon uh, very late on with about four minutes to go on halfway uh, for a, a held call where he's simultaneous. Um, oh, that rule far out. Remember that you rule? hate that? I was terrible. So he calls held as Hamano's offloading it. No, I'm sorry. I've, I called held. There's nothing I can do. It's just a. Well, it's just I mean, a, he is right. In, in his yeah, defense like, on that, that was the rule. Yeah. Like, but that, for people who don't remember that, what the rule used to be was um, when you got held. So if you called held and then you passed the ball because you didn't hear the ref, or maybe you called held as you passed it, instead of just saying go back and play it. They used to have a scrum and give the yeah, ball to the turnover. other team. Turnover. Sorry, and, mate. And, like, and everyone would just go, mate, I didn't hear you, or I'd only just pass it. And they go, well, that's nothing could be done. That's just the rule. And you'd go, I'll never forget it. My most, one of my most loathed rugby league moments was at Marathon Stadium one day when the Knights mm. were behind by four points, 10 metres out, and Ben Kennedy is stormed across, fought in the tackle, rampaged the ball forward, three guys held him, and the ref really prematurely goes, held, and then he passes it. Yeah. Five minutes to go, down by four, and they go up. Oh, sorry, we've got to hand the ball over. And it happened when I was about it's like eleven, a... and I've never forgotten it. I can never forget it because no. the, it's as unjust as the six again for being held up rule. Exactly, it's that was, just it's troublingly is exactly what I was oh. going to say. Is why did it take them a hundred years of rugby league to work out that was a dumb rule and, and change it? Um, well, no it, one liked it. The refs no. apologising for applying the rule, yeah. and they're still yeah, yeah. Oh, awful. No, awful. I know. I know. Now, uh, 22 all after 70 minutes. Uh, there is not another point for 34 minutes. Uh, I think we should talk a little bit about some of these attempts to break the deadlock. But uh, Sterlo was on the case at the 65-minute mark. At 22-16, Sterlo tosses up that the, um, the rules for a draw. Uh, they do a toss. Then there's 10 minutes either side. If it's still drawn after that, they do another toss and play golden point, right? So that's what he's announced as the rules. Um, there are a couple of, like, Langer does another one of those weird field goals at the line where he strikes across the ball and just completely shanks it. I don't know why. It's um, disgraceful. He's one of the worst field goal kickers I've ever seen. Yeah, well, I can ever. tell you and why. Because they interview him after the game and he says, no, yeah. I've, ne- I've never practiced one. <laughs> he's halfback for well, a side. That, like, yeah. Two, two things. One, start. Start practicing them. Secondly, yes. stop taking them. Yeah, like Darren Lockyer was in the team. Kevin Walters was in the team. Matt Rogers was on the bench. Stop taking them if you can't kick them because you're terrible at it. Yeah. Um, 
sorry to break your sequence. Where was there was an attempted shot at goal too? When was that? That was in extra time. I'll get to that. It yeah. was okay. Sorry, yeah, right, was no, don't, don't let me disrupt you. Then I just wasn't sure if it was. I get no, it's it so a fair long. Point. It's very hard to get muddled up in when it happened. So, so Queensland get three goes. So that was terrible, the Langer one. But they get three goes in the last ten minutes. There's the Langer one, where it's mm. not even last tackle, and he just goes, "Oh, I'll just, I'll just, oh, this up and bang it over." No, nah. mm. terrible kick. Then there is uh, an awful setup where they end up instead of even taking one. After the Hamono penalty, they're right down there. They just like it's take it whenever you want. And somehow Tony Carroll ends up tackled on last in the corner, and they swing it inside, and nothing happens. Then they have Paul a Green just does that. Paul Green just gets it. They have everything set up, and he just goes blind, like and yeah. swings a long blind side from dummy half with Lockyer screaming to take it under the post. It's yeah. on tackle four, so they get yeah. stuck in the corner. It's quite terrible rugby league. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go across again. And Darren Smith ends up, they bungle the third chance so badly that Darren Smith ends up trying to take one, uh, which is unfortunately charged down because I would have liked to have seen the flight on it. Um, well, like he hit uh, it not too bad. Well, yeah, I just want to put to you, I, I think you're selling that incident a little bit short. Uh, they botched it so badly. I watched it and I kept thinking every setup was bad. That When they set that one up, it seemed that everything was actually quite good. They set someone up in a narrow pocket. He was a bit shallow but they set someone up in a narrow pocket they took a hit up they called the play and they passed back but just hilariously it just seems like i don't know if he called it or what but darren smith was where the actual maybe to be fair alan langer well maybe alan langer had said mate i can't kick him but like because i watched it and i thought oh they're set up well here this looks all right are they going to take one and they zoom it back and then i've just gone <laughs> what's darren smith that? Like, yeah. everything was quite right about that he was too shallow but otherwise they actually that was probably the best way reasonably well but like i'm just not sure why at the end of it they decided that darren smith should be the you know, I, in the spot i wonder if he was having a bludge because he was a bit shallow and i wonder if he just got like yeah. they had Lockyer deeper and he just ended up Having a rest in the way, I'm thought. Oh, this is my moment now. I've got, no, it. I've got, got to take it. Got the yeah. ball. I don't think it was last tackle either, which is good. Like I think he's tried to pull it off. I don't think so. <laughs> good. I think so. I think he could have taken the tackle and had another go. He decided yeah. to try and bang it over, which I, you know, respect. You got to take your chances. Yeah. Um, so that's the complete bungle. Then they get a chance. They get a scrum on the forty because Lazarus knocks it on with about ten seconds left. They paint the scrum and Langer just grubbers it down the field and it runs out into touch and that's the end of that. And then suddenly Sturlow says there's been a change of plan. There won't be a coin toss. Queensland are just going to kick off. Hmm. Now, I don't know if he got the rule wrong and has tried to cover it up by saying there's been a change of plan, but I don't think you can change the plan. <laughs> like, I don't think yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think they all got it wrong because I, I think you might have missed Rabs trying to explain the rule too. And he tried to explain that there was... 10 minutes each way and then 10 minutes each way again and yeah, good. not golden point, like which they helpfully, again, the marketing department doesn't think to call it golden point. They just say, you just play till someone scores, which is much less catchy yeah, next for a competition spin. built on marketing. But no. um, they, 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 yeah. What, what Rabs does is Rabs goes, well, there'll be a coin toss. They'll play 10 minutes each way. Then they'll stop. And if there's no score, then they'll play 10 minutes each way, but the next <laughs> score will win. And you're like, well, what happens if it's... Because I'm sitting there going, well, hang on. What if it's still <laughs> draw even? Like, what happens? Minutes. And then Sterlo then comes in that and, and re-explains yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And, and Sterlo comes in and re-explains it wrongly again, yeah. I, I believe. Uh, it's a wonderful system. See, again, the, the system of having draws in rep games was really stupid. 
because you're having origin in these contests for some instant gratification. It's not a club game where you can have a point each. Like someone needs to win. That's why you're watching the damn thing. Mm. You know, one off or a series, you watch a three game series or a one off final, someone's got to win it. And they always did this really badly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they, the ARL, like I think there ends up being a draw in origin after this, where they still haven't changed the rules. There, there uh, does. Yeah. It's uh, they, they still haven't the changed the rules. And, but these guys hopefully did realise you needed to break a deadlock, but they just did it in this meth way where you don't have a coin toss and someone randomly has to kick one way, then there is a coin toss later in extra time. Yeah, they had a the pointless coin yeah. toss after 20 minutes. Yeah. For the, they had a golden point coin toss. So yeah. the, the, the first half of extra time is incredible because nobody takes a field goal. There's not one shot. It used to happen a lot. Mm. The, the, the first 10 minutes in of finals, it happened a lot. Where it wasn't got nobody shoots. Mullins has a try disallowed. Paul Green has a try disallowed um, off a quite ridiculous play, which ends with Walters. Kevin Potter's a very good player. I know he's said it a few times, but he just had to eyes this up, puts a beautiful grubber into the end goal in broken play. Peachy <laughs> has a complete <laughs> air swing with his boot at it, just tries to kick, just misses completely. And uh, Robbie Ross grounds it, I thought, simultaneously with Paul Green. They end up saying no try. Uh, this is the one occasion where Bill does go to the video ref. Uh, I think Queensland were entitled to be a little aggrieved here. But like you said, they went to video technology when the video wasn't very good. And so when the when they try and see who's grounded it, it's just a mess of hands. Like you can't, it's just blurry kind of things that look vaguely, vaguely like hands and fingers. So they, That's they exactly right. Because I actually yeah. don't think they were aggrieved. I think it was Robbie Ross, but I'm prepared to say that I'd be, I, I went, oh no, I reckon Robbie Ross that first but i'm prepared to say the angle's so shitty that like i don't really think you're wrong i'm not going nah you you paint it on i just go oh that's what i thought but jesus i'd like to look from another angle yeah there's one angle on it and it's quite a way away from the ball and there's two white guys trying to put white arms on the ball there's no no way to know it's quite blurry so yeah it's funny because it's you know i don't like the video ref much easier but i i think it's an evil you can't avoid now if you're going to have these replays on tv you can't have obvious no tries and tries wrong all the time but i do think that there was brought in argument for not having it until you could sort of actually use it properly yeah use it properly yeah yeah so they queensland botcher set up late on which it ends up sort of just like getting thumped into someone with Lockyer trying to set it up. There's a narrative here. <laughs> New South Wales, <laughs> New South Wales get a penalty for that with like one second left in the first half of extra time. And Goldthorpe misses touch. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, cause he just pounds it downfield and misses. And it like in lands on defense. About, yeah. yeah. I, I thought like in his defense, cause they had a go at him there. I thought that was reasonably clever because they yeah, were yeah, their yeah. own their own 30 or 40 and he's trying to hoover off get it out on the other 20 thinking I've take got to get tap. it within field goal range yeah, yeah. take the yeah. tap in the field goal yeah so he roosts it way too far and tries to bounce I think he intentionally did try and bounce it out like kick it as far as he could get it but it's very funny it is That's, very very funny yeah so that I that was very good and then they come back out for the second half and this is the moment of the match for me uh, not because of so much of what happens, but because of the reaction to it. Uh, yeah, I thought so. Glenn Lazarus savagely coat hangers Paul Green. Um, I think any decisions, any any errors that Paul Green may have made as Cowboys coach over the last few years, any strange things that he might have done, uh, can possibly be traced back to this moment and the amount of impact that he would have felt. Uh, he it, It's just your classic big bloke sidestepped by a small bloke throws the lazy arm out, gets him around the head. Um, 
Paul Green's body is, is just flung to the ground. But yeah. Sterlow doesn't see it that way and says, yeah, bounced up off the ball. <laughs> <laughs> bounced off of his skull. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, he just, yeah. just whacked him in the head with his forearm. No, bounced up yeah. off the ball. And then Gary Freeman really piles in on top and goes, no, no, no. I think that's right. There's no malice in it from Lazarus. It's just bounced up off the ball. It's so funny. Uh, all I was going to say is that you called it the classic big bloke sidestep by little bloke. Yes, but it's the classic, but it's the it's the ultimate example of one of the littlest blokes yeah. like, sidestepping the biggest bloke like ever. Yeah, <laughs> ever to exist. The biggest, clumsiest, yeah. sort of slowest bloke to ever play on the field. It's just stuck Whack. a giant arm out. I yeah. think someone made the point that it was hard for Glenn Lazarus to avoid high tackling Paul Green, which you can yeah, that's right. the, the fabled nonsense that tall people can't tackle short people below the shoulders. <laughs> yeah, it's very it's good. It's such I... a bad tackle like it's it, I it's horrendous oh yeah, month. yeah yeah but like but the, the i i can't tell you how funny bounced up off the ball is as an explanation of yeah, yeah anyway it doesn't go anywhere near the ball anyway they get a penalty 45 no, unless out. he was holding the ball in front of his nose <laughs> no yeah <laughs> that's, that's the right could hit the ball <laughs> yeah um yeah. they get a penalty 45 out which Lockyer misses uh they pan to the bench. Sheens, there's a lot of footage in this game of just Tim Sheens looking really tense and cranky, yeah. but he's got yeah. Craig Bellamy sitting next to him. That's um, which is the second yeah. game where Craig Bellamy has been in the support staff, looking very youthful. Yeah. Uh, but he's on the bench as Sheens' assistant. Then finally, a bit of a game breaks out in the 93rd minute. There's a break from Langer uh, from about 20 out. They drag him down. Then they go back to him on five, really, really flat. Uh, and he spreads it to Carroll, who goes over at Harrigan without using the video, as we said. Uh, not, only, not only does he not have a clear view of this, because it's held up and it's really tricky, and Carroll thinks he's scored. Harrigan f- slips over when he's running across. Like, he slips and obviously missed a bit of it, but still doesn't go to the video and just says, no, 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 try. The camera's just behind Bill, and you can see because you've got his view that it's not, you can't see that well. Like the camera, the camera angle is near where Bill is. And I can't tell on a quick one or two replays, whether he got it down. So how would Bill have? Because he shares that angle, but he saw it once at pace while falling over. Yes. All good points, Gaz. Uh, And finally in the 95th minute, somebody does get like a reasonably clean field goal shot away. Robbie Ross takes one. Why? I don't know. But he missed. Fresh reserve too. He only came on. Yeah, yeah, in extra time. Yeah, who they take off? I'm not sure. I couldn't work that out. I couldn't. Might take a peach off for the air swing. It wouldn't be totally out of that. Would be reasonable. Yeah, but he takes a shot, misses. It's wide. Paul Green takes a shot from 40 out, and it's touched and doesn't go anywhere near it. Not helped by the fact that Owen Cunningham was in a dummy half to throw the (laughs) pass. Um, This is the kind of calamity capers of these field goal attempts. 97th minute. There's a Goldthorpe shot that goes wide. Then he gets another shot in the 99th minute from really flat to the line. Quite a sneaky little one that goes wide again. Then in the 100th minute, it's the last minute of normal extra time. Normal Kevin, extra time is a good concept, isn't it? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Good. <laughs> Kevin Walters presages what he then did in State of Origin 1, 1998 because he gets the ball on halfway and just boots it into space to invite the big chase. And it's a stroke of genius because Mullins is grounded in the in goal and they have to drop it out. With ten, with 10 seconds left, they drop it out. And instead of someone taking a field goal, even a completely airy-fairy one from 40 out, mm. Wendell Saylor takes a hit up and that's time up. That's so odd. 
That's really odd. That's, that's up there with the Mary McGregor stodge run in the 95 yeah. series that we watched where they, they had, to, had to score to win and he just takes a hit up. It's like, why? Like, why would you not have done something? They just literally just, yeah, he had a good game, Wendell, by the way. Now, um, this goes to the, uh, this, this brings us to the issue that, uh, that friend of the show, Alex Clark, shared with us um, from Bill Harrigan's autobiography. Now, you watched the game. You'd have as a few copies of that, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, I would. You have well, a copy of Bill's autobiography, don't you? Yeah, signed copy, obviously. Yeah. Um, he talks about, yeah, it was one of the highlights of my career, blah, blah, blah. I'm a goose. He, he overcame Graham Annesley and Steve Clark to be selected to do the game. Good for him. Anyway, I summoned both captains, Laurie Daly from New South Wales and Alfie Langer from Queensland, to the centre of the field for a coin toss. This is after 100 minutes. Most of the players, including Laurie Daly, were unaware of the rule regarding extra time. I'm a little confused about what was to happen next. When he got to where Alf and I were standing, Laurie said, what's happening, Billy? I said, we have to do another coin toss. What is this one for? He asked. Before I could reply, Alfie looked straight at him and in his nonchalant way said, whoever wins the toss wins the game. Laurie looked from Alf to me, back to Alf and back to me with an exasperated look on his face and finally said, fair dinkum. I jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah, that's right, Laurie. Whoever wins this toss wins the game. Laurie looked at me, looked straight at me and said, you are kidding. No, he isn't, Alf said seriously. What, what do you want, heads or tails? Alf tossed the coin, Laurie called, but he still couldn't believe he could lose the game on a coin toss. Before anything could be said, I told Laurie, we weren't being fair dinkum. You've won the toss. Queensland will kick to what you, which way do you want to run? Now, what Bill Harrigan fails to understand in recording this anecdote is that there is still, that the, that the, the video of this match is still circulating. And he was on the ref's mic. And we've watched this sequence of the game after the 100 minutes where the two captains come over. This never happened. Bullshit artist. It didn't Bullshit happen. Artist. He made it up. Get this. Can you cut this out of the episode and put it on the page? And we've yes. got to share this. this it didn't happen. Bullshit he made artist. it up. It didn't happen. I, 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 we also, I read that as well, a friend of the show sent in. And I watched for it. And I thought, this didn't fucking happen. I was watching it. it. He's good. He, he never did any of that. He didn't he just, say because like that. in his stupid, pious way, as soon as full time is blown, he's howling. He's like carrying on saying, yeah, we're having a coin toss. Choose which way you want to run. This is a coin toss. From here on, it's golden. It's, it's, it's next score wins. He's immediately... He's it five times. Ball. Yeah, over and over again. Laurie's not confused. Alfie doesn't I mean, throw any I mean, Laurie like, always looks fairly confused. But <laughs> not about this. Not about this. <laughs> this didn't happen, Bill. You've made this up and you've been caught by the rigorous work of Alex Clark on the Cemetery Facebook page and, the, and, and myself and Gaz as hosts of the Cemetery, we have rumbled you. You have sold your autobiography under false pretenses, spinning this and presumably other false narratives about what happened during your extremely tedious and pointless career refereeing rugby league, and you have been caught out. And he should be sacked from Triple M immediately, and, anyone, and, and he should be sacked from all media commitments and should be charged. Should be charged... I, I, or make it for, for proceeds of crime. He should have to return the funds of this autobiography because it is riddled with factual errors and lies. Yeah. I, I, Bill, if you're out there, I invite you to respond. I'm happy I to invite you to respond. conversation if between you, you and me. If, if, if Bill Harrigan wants to sue me for defamation, he is most welcome to, and I look forward to engaging in discovery through the court process. Well, truth is the defence to defamation. Truth is the defence. So you're all right at the moment. We've got the audio. Why? It is because I was really looking forward to this after we got yes. the story, and I watched it. I went, "Hang on!" He, the second that it goes, he goes, 
Tossed it aside what way? Tossed it aside. He repetitively barked it. didn't it. happen. Um, you know what is funny, though? Laurie is quite funny because Laurie... I'm not sure Laurie does understand what's going to happen when full-time blows. Because So full-time goes and it's tied. And all yeah. that happens is that the siren... Or when I say full-time, extra full-time blows at 100 minutes. And Laurie just dementedly stands up, having tackled Wendell Saylor, and just points like at the screen, like the scoreboard, for yeah. quite a while, like 10, 15 seconds looking at the referee for ages. And then I just keep on saying what he was trying to point out. Well, Daryl like, Eslake <laughs> posits that yeah. he might have thought that it was, um, he might have thought they were going to win because they'd been top of the table. He had this idea. Daryl sort of speculated. How would that be proven by pointing at the scoreboard dementedly? I'm really not sure. I think the pointing at the scoreboard might have been times up, they don't get another play. I think right, he was trying, okay. I think that's yeah. what that was about because they were setting up okay. for a shot because Sailor got He tackled. does it for quite a while. Like, yeah. really, okay, that might be what it was. He just looked really animatedly pointing at the scoreboard for ages and I just wondered if he was trying to make sure Bill knew it was tied or like what the situation was. But yeah, uh, yeah. No, so I'm glad that we've rumbled this. So lost you can get one. lost, Harrigan. Thank you very much, Alex Clark. You have, you have assisted in... Uh, in in uncover in busting a myth, and that's the kind. This is you know this is the kind of show that the rugby league cemetery is. Uh, finally, in Golden Point, in extra time number two, um, Darren Lockyer shanks a field goal shot. New South Wales get a penalty for a second effort by Renoff on Gillies, and uh, they finally someone finally gets a decent setup. They swing it back to Goldthorpe from about fifteen out, and he pots the field goal and ends the match the longest professional match in rugby league history and New South Wales win 23 to 22 Two fairly wild scenes. I must say there is a sense that they, they were kind of um, genuinely thrilled to have won this game. And the Queensland players look genuinely upset to have lost it. And that does go, I guess a little bit to the credibility as a contest. I mean, they're competitors and they want to win every game, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do. When I said that it doesn't feel like origin, that doesn't mean it wasn't real or it wasn't yeah. um, important. It just feels different. Not, not. Um, mm. It wasn't state of origin. It didn't replace state of origin, but it was a serious contest. Gordon Tallis looks devastated on the ground and turns away the trainers a couple of times and all this. Yeah. Um, the Blues look very, very excited. And, you know, the, the, it, I, I'm not, I, I didn't mean to bag the contest at all when I said it no. didn't feel like origin. It was a high-quality game between high-quality players. It just... It was different. That's all. It wasn't it, what it was trying to emulate or copy. Isn't what it was. And you know, if, if Super League had have won the war, would it have ended up better or, or, or whatever? Well, who knows? It might have. It just it doesn't. It wasn't not good. It was just not state of origin. That's a, despite having the same players playing on two different teams, it wasn't the same thing. Um, I guess before we get off the game. Look, I know we've, we've, we've probably gone over it enough in your description of what happened, but the narrative is that just Queensland were just fucking atrocious at trying to set up a drop goal. And, yeah. like, I know people are at different stages of their career. Lockie is young and stuff, but Jesus Christ. Like, Steve Walters is considered one of the greatest hookers ever. Alan Lang is considered one of the greatest halfbacks ever. Kevin Walters is a really good, you know, great 5A. Darren Lockie is one of the best fullbacks ever. What's doing? There's not really any excuse. Like, no. and we watched the Broncos muddle around with three out of these four just as badly. Um, in the Bears semi-final and completely shank it. There's just, and you know, Wayne Bennett's coaching both of these games, one of the greatest coaches ever, some of the greatest spine players ever all on the team. There's just not really any excuse 
no. for them being this bad. It's quite pathetic because they cost their team. Well, I'm serious. They cost mm. their team. They should have won this game. They had they had way more chances and earlier. Like they would have had three or four shots before New South Wales got one. If you go through the sequence, they have way more shots at it at this game than they ever did, and they never ever ever look even close to landing one. They never even look likely. There's times where everything goes right and you go, bugger, they're going to get it and someone just misses with a nice strike that misses. None of that. They were never in position. They never set it up properly. They never get it to the right person. And he never hits it well. It's, it's, it's terrible. And it, it cost them a game they should have won. They should have won this. Really? Yeah, absolutely. It yeah, does. It cost them everything. Now, uh, cards on the table, Gazzy. I'm going to read the... Uh, mm. We've gone through the New South Wales and Queensland sides. I'm going to go through the yep. not the ARL New South mm-hmm. Wales and Queensland sides. I want me to tell you who wins out of the New South Wales Super League team mm-hmm. and this New South Wales ARL team. Fullback Tim Brasher, wings Rod Wishart and Jamie Ainsco. Centres Terry Hill, Paul McGregor. Halves Jim Dimmick and Jeff Toovey. Props Mar- uh, Paul Harrigan and Mark Carroll. Hooker Andrew Johns. Second row is Steve Menzies, Adam Muir, Lock, Nick, Kossef, Bench, David Fairley, Dean Pay, John Simon, and Ken McGuinness, coached by Tommy Rodonicus. Where was Brad Fittler? I don't know. Uh, he didn't play in the series at all in 97. No, nope. um, Trent Barrett I, played I, game I, three. Am I allowed to give them Brad Fittler or not? <laughs> well, no, not really. No, I mean, um, I, I, mean no, if you want, uh, I don't think it makes a difference, to be honest with you. Yeah, it does. Yeah, they would have. They would have won without. They would have won with Fitler. You reckon? Uh, but I'll tell you what. Yeah, I'll give them Fitler, but I'll give Sticky to to Super League. It yeah, well, that's out as well. Yeah. Um, oh, close. Um, if you want, if you, I tell you what, I, I, the funny thing is, I, I lean towards Super League if if you give them Sticky, um, and Fitler. I still, yeah, th- those are the two missing. Um, uh, you want to know a fact that goes to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, do you want to know what the nineteen ninety eight split was? Oh yeah, go for Seven, it. Seventeen ARL players played out of twenty-two. 20, yeah, used for New South Wales, is that right? Yep. That's interesting. Yep. Seventeen yeah, okay. of them for, with the ARL. That's um, they, they these are the guys that made it the next year. Et. Yep. Daly. Yep. Rodney Howe. Yep. Lazo once off the bench, and Dave Ferner once. So Dave Ferner played one game. Lazo one off the bench, and then Howe, Daly, Et, That's and fun. then you had you had Joey, Freddie, Tooves, um, you know uh, T- T- Terry Hill. All those guys. Tim Brasher was a very, very big favourite, and, and um, I, I, you know, I would have probably preferred the, the Super League fullbacks, but they didn't mm. get picked. The, 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 it, the, what you got to overlook is the star power is with the Super League side. There, I tell you what, the the ARL's got a better forward pack. They got a bloody good yeah, that's pack. true. Really that's good true. forward pack. Uh, they got um, they got the Chief. They got Dean Pay. They got Fairley. They got Steve Menzies out as an attacking edge. They, they, they've Muir. got a lot of Muir. They've got a lot prime, of good yeah. forwards. Yeah, um, and they did form the bulk of the 98 side. The funny thing is, I would probably say in 97, based on the state of origin teams, like the New South Wales side and the 97 side, I would lean towards the Super League side in a tight game. Um, But it's just funny that if you then look at the next year, the the 98 side is almost entirely... Like, Laurie Daly is the only... Star and, and an aging ET in the centres. Like Laurie Daly played in at six, and then you got ET in the centres. Rodney Howe is a bench front rower, and Lazo and Fern are filling in. Like all yeah, of the key players are from the ARL. It's, it's a weird circumstance, isn't it? But I think it's, I think what you would say is the Super League side possibly had better names, but they weren't necessarily. Like, you got Mullins and Clyde and all these guys who we know were very good. 
and and Ian Roberts and Lazarus, and, but they're kind of at a different and even ET to an extent. They're for, towards the end of their careers, so it's possibly not like those two that's, sides in their prime. You might get on new, on Super yeah. League, but yeah, that, that side's not. That's that a great point. Was, yeah, that's, that's a great fair. point. Actually, you're a really good point there because these guys didn't make it in '98. But if you put those teams together in their prime. Brad yeah. Clyde, obviously, but Lazo only got in once in '98. Um, yeah. You know, Sticky, Sticky didn't get in. Um, for example, I know he's not yeah. in there, but Sticky didn't get past Joey and Tuvi were in. You know, yeah, rotating roles true. and stuff. Um, you know, Daly. Look, Laurie, Laurie Daly had a lot of knee injuries, and you can sort of start to see that in this game. Uh, he plays. He makes one run in extra time, and everything else he passes very early. Does the kicking has a good game, but he's playing a bit more in the dinner suit. He was well known as a very aggressive. Um, running 5'8", and, and a lot of really knowledgeable Canberra fans have said his best footy was sort of by 94, 95, 96. He just, after that, was just doing a little bit less game to game because he'd had those problems. So, mm. you know, he's not at his best football. Sticky is, you know, he's past his best footy at this point. Sticky, he never made those teams again. Blazo the same. So on paper, yeah, but geez, the, the ARL had a lot of the up-and-comers. Brad Fittler's best football was just coming. Andrew Johns' best football was coming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, I, it, it brings to say out close game, close game. It bears out what you say about eras, right? Like it, it, mm. that the there were a couple of guys who were just at the tail end, who were just entering the tail end of their careers, mm. and there's a few guys who were just entering their prime at the same time. Uh, I yeah. don't think there's much debate about the Queensland side. Uh, this mm. is their ARL team: Robbie O'Davis, Brett Dallas, Matt Singh, Mark Coyne, Danny Moore, Ben Ike, and Adrian Lamb. Neil Tierney, Jamie Goddard, Craig Smith, Gary Larson, Billy Moore, Wayne Bartram, the bench of Jason Smith, Jeremy Schloss. Good to see the name Schloss in a rep side. Tony Hearn and Stuart Kelly, coached by Fatty Vorton. Um, there might be a couple who'd get in, but not overly many. Yeah, so um, when they go back in 98, there's seven ARL players out of 21 get used in the, yep. in the 98 series. That's Singh and O'Davis share a wing over yep. the series. So they yep. both play, but not together. Um, yep. And then Iken plays off the bench in one game at centre. Goddard comes in for game three for Hetherington, who I assume must have been injured. Uh, and then Larson, Bartram and Jason Smith. Yep. Um, so, you know, if you look at 97, it's obvious who would have won. And I would just say, you know, maybe if you pick that team, Jason Smith probably would have made it, Moore and Larson would have made it. And then Sing Oro Davis might have taken um, Matt Rogers' spot at that time. Yeah. So for I mean, fairness, four, if I was to if I was to yeah. defend Robbie O, just for mm. a moment, I might say that Robbie O was in his best year, and that you mm. that at his at the stage of his career he was at, and the stage of Lockyer's career. I mean, Robbie O came out in '98 as the Australian fullback before mm. the Origin series, so he might have got it. Like that would have been a, that might have been a fairly close call between him and Lockyer. But but with the Brisbane thing and all of that, Lockyer might might have got picked, but that's a that's a close one. But otherwise there's not many of them is the point that obviously Queensland Yeah, fair enough. Yep. Super League having got the Broncos, I mean obviously the Queensland side was very strong. Um but it's you know it's a I think what, what comes out of all of this is that it's just it's just a it's just very odd, isn't it? Well uh, yeah look I think the only the feeling thing I just to point out is that it's just very odd. Yeah, it is. It, uh, one thing, just to go throughout saying that this isn't wasn't quite origin. Well, we'll just what we've just said is quite a marker of this. So that Queensland side, we're saying basically wouldn't have been strengthened. They would have added more and Larson and maybe an outside back. Yeah, yeah, that's that's our take. Okay, so they got beaten by New South Wales, who had to play without Chief Pay, yeah. Fairly, 
uh, Joey, Freddie, like, you know, Terry Hill was a great origin player. Tim Brasher was the fullback for years. Yeah, they, they're missing quite... Like, New South Wales are missing a lot of good players. Queensland aren't really missing any. And I guess the point is, do you really think they would have lost 38-10 in the first game if this was game one of the State of Origin series that year? Like if that was called the State of Origin series. No, that's right. And those were the two teams. So even not giving New South Wales their players back, let's just say these two teams ran out, but it was the ARL, State of Origin, game one. Do you really think they've got done 38-10? I just no, don't. I'll like, tell you something personal. else. You know what else you know? is very funny? It's that they got beat 38-10 by this weakened New South Wales side. Yeah. But 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 in the in the in the, the ARL origin, listen to the results mm. from the three games. So we've just mm. said how weak this Queensland side is, how badly weakened it was by the Broncos being it. New South Wales eight, Queensland six. Mm. New South Wales fifteen, Queensland fourteen. <laughs> Queensland eighteen, New South Wales twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go you know on. what I mean? They, they won in '95 with a weak yeah. side. They put their gloves up this year, I think, you know, and part of that was that they were in, or I think conversely, if the two 97 sides in state of origin played in a tri series that wasn't in the ARL, I reckon that team gets beat by 30 in all three games. If it wasn't called state of origin, I just yeah. don't think you could have got that team. Well, without, and do you know what I mean? If they weren't just a little the origin side, if they just played them, I don't think they would have um, been able to, do that they just wouldn't have had the skill to go with them in this different flashy mm. new age contest well you know what really bears that out is that uh, at the end of the game Sterlo does the promo for the games coming up and he talks about you know it's a very good contest the crushers versus the roosters on at 9 30 on friday night uh, i'd be watching that yeah likewise the charges also up against west that weekend but then he kind of he promos the actual state of origin which is about nine days after this game game one state of origin and his voice, it sounds right all of a sudden. He just goes, State of Origin 1, 28th of May, be prepared. You know, like, and it's, it's like, oh, that's the game. That's the, this is the sideshow. This is the game, you know. And it yeah. comes out in his voice and the way it sounds and all that. And yeah, I, it's the, the, that, that label and the history and all that stuff, it does kind of, um, it does have some value if you're into it, you know. It's different to saying the Tri-Series, which has never been played before and which for some reason mm. has New Zealand in it. Yeah, it is. And it's hard to know why. And, you know, maybe the intensity in this game that we witnessed, uh, it'd be interesting to watch the first one. Like maybe that Queensland were smarting a bit because they showed up to this comp and didn't treat it like it was state of origin and got 38-10. And then suddenly went, oh, you know, that would have hurt guys like Talith a lot. You know, they're very proud sort of players. And I wonder if that, that they came out this one wanting to, you know, push that a bit harder whereas in state of origin again they just you don't really get caught not trying <laughs> you know in the first case you don't get your pants pulled down 38 10 when it's a team that good it's, i don't, no, think, I don't right. think a team that 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 was a really good side that's their side it you know I, I don't know it's just it's just a feel thing i just don't believe that it got done 38 10 in a state of origin no, game they think those fine. teams um i don't know that they would have played the same as they did this game and you know, you're right. The overwhelming feeling for me is just that it's, it is odd. Um, I'm not bagging it. It was a really good, high-quality game. Yeah. Not state of origin. It's not bad. Um, it, you know... I mean, uh, I'm not into state else. of origin. State of origin's been a slugfest for a long and I time. As someone, yeah. who's not, who's someone who's not into state of origin and doesn't care about it, I mean, this was just as good. Like, it was just good football. There were a lot of good players out there. They did some really good things, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
it know. felt more like an All Stars game in a way. Like they were just showcasing. Yeah, yeah kind of. That's it. It's, it. That's what yeah. I. The, the word that I was going to use is it. It felt a bit like an exhibition match. It's like look at all this, look at these good players and how much they can do. Um, but I'm glad that we've watched it because it, it's it no longer, at least for us. It no longer exists in the parallel universe. We've, you know, we've broken open the hermetic ceiling and had a bit of a look. And uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, this game existed, and you know, evidently, if a tree falls in a forest, sometimes it does make a sound. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, it's a very odd way to put it, but yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, 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 I have, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was really. I've never watched a game of Super League before. Uh, it was different. You like it's this parallel universe. It doesn't feel canon, but it was great football with great players played. I think it brings back a lot of sadness in a lot of ways of knowing that, you know, Brett Mullen scored a hat-trick in an interstate game to seal a series and no one cares. And that Noel yeah. Goldthorpe had, he, had his Brett Finch moment or his Sean Timmons moment, you know, and no one cares. That, that sucks. Yeah. You know, yeah, cause that's true. It, it, it sucks. There's no reason that everyone still talks about Jamie Goddard punching Andrew Johns, but no one talks about, about, this field goal or the Mullen yeah. Patrick, like it happened at the same time. And it was, uh, I'm sure probably more enjoyable than these 10, eight sort of New South Wales, Queensland scores. Mm. And that's one of the things it, that those it, guys it, you who can't make people League, matter. Yeah. One of the things that those guys who went to super league did <clears throat> is they took themselves and they might not, they probably didn't know this when they did it because there was every chance to think super league might just take the game over and it would continue to be the main game. But they did kind of take themselves off the main stage a little bit. You know, they yeah, did, yeah. Just for that one year, and 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 for the top man being out of the rep sites as well. But they they did take themselves off the off the main stage where where people's kind of uh, histories are made and all of that. Um, but I, yeah. I, I I think without knowing is is the important thing there. I just think yeah. that that Super League was sold to them that it was going to be the only comp, and then it was sold that it was going to be the main comp, and that this Sydney thing was going to wither away and die. And these footballers were told all that. And both of, both sides received sale pitches. Anyone who signed with either side was just sold at. You were sold at by yeah. by the Rebo guys, or you were sold at by Gus and Fulton. Like that, That's yeah. either way. You got sales pitched, and you got talked into siding one way or the other. Neither It wasn't more virtuous to go one way or the other. The Canberra guys, for example, all were loyal and stayed together to Canberra. It's just as admirable as staying loyal to the ARL, but they were the ones that got punished by legacy and by rep games and everything for making yeah. a decision that was no more or less virtuous than the ones that the Newcastle Knights made to sign with the ARL. It's not; it wasn't a more or worse or less virtuous decision, but it's had different consequences. Yeah, that's for right. them. That's a good way to put it, and I think that's a good way to finish up, Gazzy. Uh, this has been a pleasure. Thank you as always for uh, for uh, you you your insights and madness <clears throat> over this uh, this part i think this pod is about to go to 104 minutes which is a great tribute to that game there's no greater kind of there's no greater mark of uh, <laughs> there's no better way to recognize that history but uh, until next time from the rugby league cemetery it's morgan campbell and luke garrity signing off <laughs>